guys got everyone wants to go to Delilah's. I love it. It's great. We go, but you got to come here. This is it's so much more fun, you know. It's Dude, free. I had no it's idea Delilah's yeah. was a build bar. I had no idea it was a build bar. I went there. Uh, I just happened to be there on New Year's Eve. That's the first time they've made the playoffs in like 15 years. The place was <laughs> fucking insane. It was incredible. Like I went in there to drink a whole bunch of cool Willets, and I ended up doing like eight shots of Fireball instead. <laughs> and it was perfect. Hey everyone, hope you're ready for another episode of Bourbon Pursuit. And we're a little bit light on the news this week, but there's a few things that we want to kind of touch over. If anybody remembers episode 120, we talked about high volume retailers and Ace Spirits was on the show. Louis Dacus is the owner of it. It was a few months ago. He actually was coming out here to Four Roses Barrel Pick, called me up. He said, hey, I'm going to be out there. Let's go choose a barrel together. I said, sure, I got some time. Let's go ahead and do it. We go out there, we usually have maybe about seven or eight barrels that are available. And since he was coming in from Minnesota, Mandy said, I think I might have something extra in the back for you. And so she rolls out this barrel and we looked at each other and I said to Lewis, I said, you'd be dumb to not take this. And of course he took it. And this past week, it was finally released. It was a 13 and a half year OESO, and it sold out in a matter of about three to four hours. So pretty cool that A Spirits up in Minnesota was able to sell out a barrel that quickly. So congratulations. Uh, it's a delicious barrel. And for anybody that gets a bottle of it, you know that I had a part help picking it as well. So pretty fun to be able to do that. Jim Murray has announced that 2017 William Weller was his whiskey of the year. However, 2018's right around the corner, so just get ready for BTAC Frenzy if it's ever not a frenzy. I also got my copy of Bourbon Justice this week. If you're not familiar, which you should be because you listen to the Bourbon Pursuit, you subscribe and you know about Brian on the roundtables. He's our resident lawyer and he just published his book talking about the history of bourbon through lawsuits. It's fascinating. He's been a guest on the show multiple times, even one show dedicated to him talking about lawsuits. So make sure you go to Amazon and check out Bourbon Justice. Have you subscribed to Bourbon Plus yet either? I've gone ahead and done it, and you should too. Four magazines, one per quarter, $30 is all it takes, and it's just gonna show up a lot of great information from a lot of notable writers, and of course, our co-host Fred Minnick is the editor-in-chief. Now for us, it's finally time to take about a month and a half off from barrel selections, and we've had a hell of a run. This year in 2018, we're gonna do 16 single barrels from all sorts of distilleries, and the list of our barrel picks are now up to date on the Patreon page, so you can go and you can check it out. It's easy to decipher. If the boxes are green, then that means it's over. If the boxes are white, then that means the bottles haven't made it yet, so there's plenty of time to join. And if you look, there's a lot of white on there. So make sure you go and you check it out and go join Patreon to get your access to these barrel picks. And Keg and Bottle is the one that is making this happen. So make sure you go and support Tony over at Keg and Bottle, K-E-G, the letter in bottle.com. And you can shop over 700 different whiskeys online and have them shipped right to your door. 
Now, the Kentucky Derby Legends Museum, as I've said before, those tickets are on sale. You've got Michter's, you've got Craft Night, and you've got Kentucky Owl. These begin in January. Go buy your tickets at derbymuseum.org slash legendseries and watch Fred Minnick be the MC up here and get to ask some of the hard questions. Now, this episode is kind of like a coming-to-age tale for a lot of us. We start off drinking a lot of regular items that we see on the shelf, and then you catch an itch to go for a limited release, and then you start sort of trading your way up the ladder. And after a while, you begin to know what you like, and you figure out what you have access to, and more importantly, maybe you figure out what you don't have access to, and now you can start trading and rounding out your bunker. So this is really gonna be one of those for the people that have really been in this for a little while or maybe getting into it, and you kind of want to know exactly how do I get my hands on some of those epic bottles that um, a lot of people might have out there. So it's going to be fun. Now, do you subscribe to our YouTube channel? Now, not only are the video podcast posted there, but you'll be notified every time we go live for a Bourbon Community Roundtable recording. So make sure you go and do that and join in on the fun. And if you haven't left a review yet, please do. We're going to get out to 10,000 of you that listen to this particular episode when it's released. So just take a few minutes to write us a review. Help us grow. We really appreciate it when you're able to do that. Now, enjoy this week's episode. And here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This past week, I reached out to our Patreon subscribers and asked a simple question. What is a bourbon asshole? Listener Rob McCarthy had this to say. There are two types of bourbon assholes. One buys up every hard-to-get bottle and then sells it for a profit. The second type is when people ask questions on Facebook groups. The assholes are the ones who are condescending, insulting for reasons I do not know. Some bourbon drinkers think just because they've been drinking it longer— they have a superiority complex. Like Rob, most people find bourbon assholes live online, where you can live anonymously and not face consequences. Well, until you do. But listener Scott Perlman actually sees bourbon assholes in public too. Scott wrote a bourbon asshole as someone who interrupts you looking at bourbon in a liquor store with, want to know which one is best? I chuckled at that one because I've been that asshole before. I love spreading gospel, and I've encouraged others to educate in the right circles as well. However, there's a fine line between educating somebody and judging them for what they want to drink. There's also this weird phenomenon happening in human nature. Social media brings out the worst in us. Just follow politics, and you'll see mothers and daughters bickering and brothers bringing up embarrassing pasts just to win an argument. It taps into our desire to call out flaws and puts a magnifying glass on things we really don't care about. For example, a few years ago, a Facebook friend of mine wrote a four-paragraph rant about standing behind an old lady at a grocery checkout line. The elderly woman was writing a check, and my friend, a highly educated and typically nice person, mind you, was tired of looking at Almond Joys in the checkout magazine rack of who's cheating on whom. So she did what all people do on social media. She bitched about it. Who writes checks anymore, she wrote. But really, how much did she truly care? I don't think she is prejudiced against checked writers. She just felt the need to complain about something on social media. And that's common. Are most bourbon assholes really just like my friend in the checkout line? They have no real qualm with what somebody is drinking or care how much the other person knows. But the inner workings of modern society has conditioned us to talk shit, even if you don't care. 
Then there's the buy everything guy who sells bottles on Facebook. Soon, when bourbon fades, he or she will move on to something else, be it designer handbags or use silky celebrity underwear. To me, these people are the epitome of a bourbon asshole because they don't care about bourbon. They just care about themselves. And that's this week's Above the Char. Do you live in Oklahoma? Come see me October 20th at the Oklahoma Book Festival, where I'll talk about my latest books in my home state. Go Pokes! If you have an idea for Above the Char, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Fred Minnick. That's at Fred Minnick. Until next week, cheers! From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Welcome back to the episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast, the official podcast of bourbon, the number one podcast of bourbon. Tonight is going to be, a, should I say today, whatever time you're listening to this, it's going to be an interesting episode because we're going to be talking about something that is pretty much when you start collecting or when you start getting into bourbon, you start finding people that are out on forums and you kind of get an idea of how big their bar is. I, I remember when I started getting into it, you know, I... I posted on Facebook on the the Bourbon Pursuit Facebook page before of my my bar, and I think it, when I first started, I had like ten bottles, and I was like, "All right, like everybody, come over, come over and drink." And then you start looking around and you see what other people have, and you realize, "Oh, that's that's nothing compared to other people that are out there." And I've had the opportunity to meet our guest tonight uh, through various. Uh, means of bourbon and whiskey. And I think tonight is going to be an interesting way on how we all have began to grow our collections beyond a, I think beyond a a way that we could say that I think uh, we all have enough bourbon in our collections now that we could have one drink for the rest of our lives and still not run out of bottles. 
And so I think it's going to be a, an interesting way that we look at not only how do we get into collecting, um, how we find it, find it enjoyable, uh, how you find community people in the community to find it enjoyable. And as well as how do you start getting those awesome unicorn bottles that you necessarily don't get to find anymore? You know, basically how do you transform your bunker from something that is just everyday off the shelf items into, uh, almost a, a destination for all your buddies to come over and start drinking all your bourbon. I guess that's a good way to put it. So tonight we have two people that if you are around Facebook at all and around some of the forums, you might've seen their names. We've got Aaron Stein and Michael St. Pierre or better known as MSP. So fellas, welcome to the show. Hello. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Good deal. So this was uh, this was an idea that actually all started because Michael and I have been talking on on Facebook and he says, you know, I, I want to come on. want to come on the show and talk about something. I said, all right, well, let's let's figure out some ideas. And 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 he started throwing some out. And this one was a, a good one because, you know, Michael's if, if you know MSP, uh, you know, some of the funny things that he puts on some of the forums, too. And and I, I figured that he's going to be a, a good person to kind of talk about this subject. But. Before we really get into it, you know, I kind of want to look at you all and get an idea of your backgrounds. Uh, you know, how did you really get into whiskey? Was there a first bottle? Was there a friend that got you into it? You know, kind of kind of what was your journey into to getting into it? So, Michael, we'll start with you. All right. Um, well, it all, believe it or not, and I bet you a lot of people start here. Uh, I remember this was probably a good eight, nine years ago. I think I bought my first bottle of bourbon, and it was a bottle of Woodford Reserve. I remember sitting there on the couch. Um, I think I dabbled with ice a little bit, and then I was like, oh, let me just try it without ice, you know? And I, I poured a little glass of it, and I, um, you know, this is coming from my old days, you know, my Red Bull vodka clubbing days. I mean, so this is a <laughs> big change-up change change up for me. So, you know, I remember pouring a little bit into a glass, and just after, you know, maybe three or four sips, I was just kind of sitting there on the couch watching golf, I believe. I think I was watching the Masters, actually. And um, I was just like, wow, like, holy crap. Like, this is a, this is pretty enjoyable. Like, just a few few sips in, you're kind of feeling all right. You know, it's it's not something you have to go mixing with this, that, and the other thing. And And then I just kind of, started there. And, and from there, I think I remember starting to do a little research and like, Ooh, what other bourbons are out there? And I, I'd go to the store and buy, you know, two or three like baseline starter, uh, whiskeys, you know, I think I started with Woodford reserve, maybe Elijah Craig. Uh, um, and then, you know, like a, as you keep doing that over time, you, you just start, going in that rabbit hole and seeing, you know, Oh, wow. There's, there's rarer ones. There's, there's ones over here. Um, luckily all this started out early enough before all this crazy, like how whiskey is now it's insane. I mean, everyone, uh, you feel like everywhere you go, someone's talking about it, but that's, that's basically how it started out with me. Just a, a normal old bottle of Woodford reserve. I just loved Loved it, and then uh, started searching more, and boy, it's a never-ending rabbit hole. Still still searching today. 
I mean, for that first bottle of Woodford, was it, I mean, were you just really like just walking down the aisle and you said, I'm just going to try something different? Cause you said you were, this was your Red Bull vodka clubbing days. Yeah. I mean, like, seriously, like the, the crap I used to drink was unbelievable. And once in a great while, I'll still venture out there just to, just to <laughs> kill myself La- the next morning, you know? <laughs> it's the Las Vegas special, man. It's like, it's what you keep yeah. raging through the night, right? You kind of, there are, there is a time and a place for it still. It really was, man. It was like a, it was, uh, it was, I thought it was just like a super nice looking bottle. It, it like kind of drew me in the classic Woodford reserve. Like I just thought it was a really high end whiskey at the time. And I just splurged for it. I think it was what, what is it? 30 or 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Somewhere yeah, around there. That was a lot of money back, back for me on a bottle of alcohol, you know? So absolutely. That's how I started Aaron, what about yourself? Yeah. So, you know, I've always been a collector of things, baseball cards. Except I never imagined whiskey would turn into that. Um, we would go out and party all through our 20s and early 30s and drink Beam and Coke. And then it became Beam and Water. And then it was Beam. And eventually it was Beam with no ice. And you're like, huh, probably some real good whiskey out there. And you kind of venture off. I remember... I had a really good friend who was into whiskey and he introduced me to Eagle Rare 10 year. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is what good whiskey is. Not that sparked it for me uh, was Eagle Rare. Now I have a big Eagle Rare collection because of that. Um, but I remember at that point after that, I'd start to go to like my binnies and just kind of, you'd buy by, by what you saw, right? If it looked cool, the packaging was cool. You'd buy that or you'd ask and or you'd go to the, the high end room once in a blue moon and splurge a little and buy something and, Years later, you look back and you go, huh, none of it was all that good. Um, but it was interesting. It was fun. And, you know, one day I was playing around, I remember really well on a Saturday morning, and I read this article about a Willet, and it was an old wax top, uh, like four or five year rye. And I Googled, where can I find it in Chicago? And I found a small liquor store here that I'd never heard of. And they had it. And I went there. I started talking to the guy uh, who was stocking the shelves there, and it turned out he was the owner of the store. And we started talking. Next thing I know, two hours go by and sells me an old rip tenure. And I walk out, giddy as can be, thrilled, right? Like never thought I'd get pappy in my life. Uh, here I was with a tenure thinking it was the greatest thing ever, calling my dad. How cool is this? And I started going back to that store every single weekend. And for years, I was there every week, every two weeks. And he taught me everything about whiskey. He got me really hooked on good whiskey. Um, and then, of course, from there, you find the community and, and you really get hooked and you know, as MSP said, you go down the rabbit hole, and next thing you know, you're trying to find everything you can. So uh, that's kind of how it got started for me. About how long ago was this for you? Like when you when you finally like you had that that first bottle of Eagle Rare that kind of like flipped the switch for you? Yeah, it was probably seven, eight years ago. Yeah, it's, it's been a little while now. So it doesn't go back as far as some of these guys do, but uh, it's been a little while now, enough to amass more whiskey than I can drink in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's amazing what, what you can do in seven to eight years. Oh my god! So another question to kind of throw at you, uh, uh, throw through there, Aaron, and we'll we'll go to MSP next after this. Is what was that? What what is the itch to really start getting high end stuff? You know, you you had read an article about you know uh, wax top Willet. Um, you know, I can tell you from me personally, you know, I I had been drinking bourbon you know, just regularly since, uh, you know, through college. So we're talking 2002 up until today. And I didn't really know high-end liquor, high-end whiskeys and limited editions even existed until like 2011, 2013 timeframe. Uh, so what was, what was your kind of 
it was at that store that kind of gave you that education process of being able to find that there are other things that are out there. Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, so this store is Warehouse Liquors here in Chicago, and the guy who owns it is a guy named Gene, and he picks a ton of barrels every year. And I'd go in and I'd drink samples with him blind, and he'd start to teach me about what I'm tasting and the profiles and what it is um, beyond just sort of like experience of it. And it became very sort of intellectual. And, and, you know, then you start to go off and read articles and I'd walk in and I'd be like, oh, I, I read about this Eagle Rare 17 year. Like, do you have any of those? And he'd sell me one. And I think it was the coolest thing ever. And this was like 2013 at that point. I remember that first Eagle Rare I got from him. Um, I remember going in and asking about like old Forrester birthday bourbons. It just looks so cool. And I read this article about it and he gave me one of those. And you know, it, it started really opening my eyes so much because there's all these different profiles and so many cool things you can drink. And then you've got this guy who's sort of teaching you about what it is you're experiencing. And you put all that together. And next thing you know, you're just chasing everything. Um, and so from there, it just became a complete and utter addiction. Right. I mean, it was like you read about things. It was the newest releases in the fall. And then before you knew it, you know, every calendar year, there was so much coming out. And you were just chasing it all. Um, and then, you know, eventually I ran off, started making friends with other liquor store owners and started to get to know a lot of people and get a lot of bottles. Right. And this is when you could still get this stuff. And I remember at the time people talking about how I remember when you, Pappy was on the shelf and now I look back and I go, I remember when I could get Pappy, not that I really care to drink it that much, but it's good currency. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was an evolution for sure. And he was a huge part of it. Just really helping me understand what I was experiencing and opening me up to so many things that I wouldn't have had access to otherwise. I, I don't think you realized it, that he basically Miyagi to you, right? Totally. Like you were, you were Daniel all the way. You don't even realize it, right? <laughs> you know, I, I refer to him as like my whiskey mentor. I mean, he really, he was an itch, you know, he taught me so much. Um, and, you know, look, I was buying a lot of his single barrels and it, it was a good thing for both of us, but Without him, you know, I never would have learned what I did, and it was awesome. So it it really set me on this path. Yeah. What about you, MSP? When did when did that itch start to hit you to start finding other like higher and things? I, I think um, it, it actually all started one time, uh, and, and this guy became one of my best friends. I got a random phone call from a guy in Raleigh, um, and this was. Um, a good, he's, he's a great friend of mine. He was actually here this weekend. We had a, we had a blast. He, he just went home back to Raleigh, uh, this morning, but, um, he gave me a call. Uh, I guess he was, what he was doing is back in the day, he was on the phone. He was calling all these liquor stores out of state. He's, you know, researching online and some liquor store owner at some store gave him my number. They're like, yeah, this guy's been coming around Charleston looking for all these weird things. And uh, I think he has one of those Van Winkle decanters and, and that perked his ears up. And I, I don't know why the store owner would ever say that because I didn't have one at the time. And uh, <laughs> sure enough, this, this, this guy calls me. He's like, Hey man, uh, this is kind of a weird phone call, but I, I got your number through uh, another store. And they said, you, you, you're collecting whiskey and just kind of want to, shoot the shit with you and see what you have. And, um, we just kind of talked for a while and he's kind of been my, my, uh, Yoda, if so to say. Um, and, and he's kind of the one who's 
pulled me in the direction of certain, you know, whiskeys of, of you know, uh, it, and of course it all started with the Van Winkles back in 2010, 2011, you know, back when it was Stissa Weller. And, you know, I remember buying those on the shelf and going around and they were just plentiful here. I just went absolutely crazy. I was pulling out new credit cards. I was, I was just, it was insane, man. Like I, I remember popping my trunk open and I'd have like 60 bottles of Van Winkle. And then, you know, uh, as the years go on, they, that diminishes and diminishes. <laughs> now I'm lucky if I see one, I mean, I still figure out a way to get some, but, uh, um, yeah, like that has kind of been my thing. He's pointed me in the direction of like certain whiskeys and like, and we all know, like, we, we all talk about limited releases, but like the older whiskeys, none of those were limited releases. They were just good back then. And they just sat on the shelf for years and years and years until someone on one of the Facebook pages was like, hey, has anyone ever tried this? This is delicious. And then across the country, everyone just goes out and cleans all the old stores out of this, you know, old granddad's a perfect example of that. If you talk about old granddad with like people that are 60 and 70 years old, they'll, they'll sit there and be like, holy shit, I remember drinking that back when I was 20. That's, it's hard to choke that stuff down. Now we're sitting here drinking it like it's liquid gold. You know? it's, <laughs> That's very it's true. funny. <laughs> so I guess so. Um, also to kind of baseline this, if you, if you feel comfortable, like giving people an idea of, of what your collection is like, because – I, I know that, at least for mine, people get to see it all the time. Sometimes I do backdrops on Instagram of, of my bourbon collection. Uh, so what what's the kind of bottle count that you're looking at right now, just so people have an idea of how legit you really are? Um, man, it's, it's nothing compared to a couple of those guys out there. But I'd say I have probably about 300 open and probably 1,200 sealed yeah and uh i kind of like the rotation (laughs) yeah well you know i might be overdoing it actually there okay let's let's i'd say 250 and a thousand that's more like it there you go but you know um a lot of things i have uh open are just you know uh i've definitely done my share of opening stupid expensive bottles where uh you know, I'm kind of running out of that, you know, not, not running out of the whiskey, but just kind of not as inclined to open every bottle I get immediately. Like I used to, I remember I, w- I would go around and buy all these crazy expensive bottles, these limited releases. I'd get home and I'd pop the top right away and just, you know, have some friends over and pour away. And uh, yeah, when you start do running those numbers up in your head now, especially with what the value of some of those are worth today. You're just like, wow, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Aaron? Cause you've got somewhere North of like, uh, every, well, every bottle of Willow that's ever been released. Or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, I mean, probably about a thousand bottles at this point. Um, I was kind of doing the math cause I figured you'd ask me that. And I, I do, think about it every once in a while. I built this cabin and I kind of know how many it holds. And then I bought this new place with a whiskey room in it and kind of put shells up and now how much they hold. It's probably about a thousand and, and there's probably 150 open bottles. There's a lot of open whiskey. At some point it gets to be like, I can't keep opening things. I can't drink them fast enough. 
Um, people don't come visit as often as I'd like, um, but I wish they would. So come visit because you can drink anything I've yeah. got. I'm going to um, take you up on that. Yeah, I think we both will. <laughs> so ultimately, um, but yeah, there's a lot. So let's let's kind of talk about the the transformation of the bunkers and how you kind of amass those things, right? Because uh, MSP's probably got almost anything underneath the sun when it comes to Stitzel Weller um, and those crazy things. I know Aaron's got a lot of stuff that is related to Willett Family Estate. So kind of talk about what you all do and how you uh, sort of amass these things to to the point that you have them today. You know, and kind of talk about the history because. Yeah. There was a time when this stuff, there was actually a thing called hunting and you could go to stores and buy stuff or find a, a store that's off the beaten path. Um, so kind of talk about the uh, the growing pains that you've kind of had up until yeah, today yeah. as well. So I was lucky enough to really dive headfirst into whiskey before the huge whiskey hype. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was still getting pretty popular, but I was able to go around and learn quite a bit about whiskey, what, which ones to pick up, which ones to leave on the shelf, um, kind of look for different UPC codes. Uh, you know, when I go back and think about how I learned all this stuff, it's pretty amazing. Like it's, it's, it's pretty wild stuff. All the, all the knowledge we've gained over the whiskey. I mean, uh, how, how nerdy are we? We know barcodes on the back of some of these <laughs> bottles, you know, like, Oh no, you don't leave that one. That one's not eight six two five nine. That that that's the one you buy right there. It's the same exact looking bottle, but we know a couple numbers different on the back of the bottle. But um, yeah, that's basically what I was lucky enough to just get into it early enough. Not not nearly as early as some of these guys. Some of these guys, oh my god, those the uh, I really have a high respect for those guys that were buying barrels of awesome whiskey when. No one gave a shit about bourbon. So those guys, um, you know, back in the Reed days and, the, you know, all those, the Doug Green Inc., all those epic Willets that are going for what, $15,000 a bottle now? Well, uh, you know, he, he couldn't give those bottles away back then. I mean, that's just amazing. But basically what transformed my bunker um, is I had the luxury of going around town and every state that I traveled to and trying to pick up Van Winkle bottlings. And that is basically what was the ground floor of my um, bunker because everyone wanted Van Winkle. So I would go around and buy these 60, 70 bottles of Van Winkle in a season. And, you know, I'd have friends come over and they'd bring over like cool whiskeys and they'd be like, Hey man, I, I'd love to try a Van Winkle. And we're like, Oh really? Well, I'd love to try one of these, you know? <clears throat> and, uh, that's basically, I did a lot of local trading and, and just, just searching for bottles that I really wanted using my Van Winkle bottles that I bought. And most of them were at retail. Sometimes I'd pay more than retail, but that, that was fine because, we all know the value of Van Winkle goes absolutely through the roof. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean it. It's it kind of hasn't stopped, you know, with its prices. You know, it's it's kind of leveled out a little bit now after you know after the fall hit. But you know, you always see what happens next fall, and it'll be a hundred dollars more per bottle for for some odd reason. So, I mean, do you do you kind of see as Van Winkles as your kind of uh, I guess you can say your ace in your pocket when you're trying to sit there and find something 
uh, quote unquote better. Yeah, I mean, in, absolutely. In your, and, and I guess in your opinion, does does the Van Winkle like the does the whiskey really not live up to hype to you? And you really think that you have a better opportunity to get some of these other bottles that you'd never see before trading for dusties that you'd rather have uh, just by getting rid of those. Yeah. So um, like, like you said, the Van Winkles are kind of like an ace in the pocket. Now don't get me wrong. It's all great whiskey. And back in the day um, when, when we were able to go get all these, these were still coming out of this. These were bottled as Stitzelweller juice, which is, right up my alley. So that was, those are what bottles I'd never let go of. And I never will. Um, those are all drinkers to me because they're just, that's the, my favorite distillery ever. It's shut down long ago and no one can seem to duplicate it. Um, but um, what was the second part of that question? Uh, yeah. I mean, is is, do, do you do you really do you, at this point you you basically said that the new stuff coming out isn't really worth its weight in oh, dollar okay. right yeah and if and if you yeah. have the opportunity i mean like pretty much from now on from let's say let's say our last bottling was 2011 because that's just a good roundabout number let's not get into the actual details of what it actually was because we could spend hours reading oh, forms and yeah. opinions yeah but I mean, pretty much from now on, every single new bottling and every single year of vintage that comes out, do you kind of look at it as saying like, maybe I'll open one, but I'm getting rid of all these to, in favor of something yeah. else? Yeah. It's like, basically, it's it's almost like I've I've gone through, you know, opening the, the entire vertical, the whole lineup from 10 to 23. I, I mean, we've all probably done it. We've, we've, I know I've seen on your shelf, you've got every Van Winkle open as we speak. Now, when you go and finally finish those, do you think you're going to open up another vertical of them? Probably not. You see, you kind of enjoy the Van Winkles. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been there, done that. It's kind of plentiful now. You, you kind of see them all over the place. It's great whiskey. I'm not hating on it whatsoever. Uh, are there things that I enjoy a lot more? Absolutely, for sure. Like, like Aaron, he's obsessed with Willett family estate. I completely agree. I mean, some of those, uh, well, I don't have as nearly as many as him, but uh, I've got some cool ones that I love, you know, and, and I would take those over a Van Winkle any day. I mean, I guess for me, the, the, the whole thing about keeping Van Winkles on the shelf is because you have that lore of people that aren't necessarily you two, but other people that come over and they're like, oh, I got to try Van Winkle or like, here you go, man. Like mm. I can have at it. Right. Like it's, it's oh, not yeah. a big deal. And I guess that's one thing that you, you find out over a period of time is that these aren't necessarily unicorns, right. Is that these are, these are just, and, and Michael, you might've said it best. I mean, they're huge releases. These are, these are bottles that are in the uh, tens of thousands of releases every single fall. Right. Right. There's a lot of hype behind these bottles and people don't realize that they think because of a couple magazine articles that Van Winkle whiskeys. And it's funny how we're even spending so much time talking about Van Winkle just because, you know, that's just all part of it, you know. Uh, but it, it's amazing that what people think of these Van Winkle bottlings, it's like, guys, let me pour you four blind tastings and, and you tell me what you like the best. Don't don't go off what everyone else is saying, because it's, it's absolutely not true. So Aaron, I kind of want to get your, your idea of how your, your bunker transformed. Were you, were you following the line of MSP or were you just opening up 
multiple credit cards with multiple PayPal accounts and trying to go into credit card <laughs> debt and, uh, you know, pay all this stuff off? No. Um, I think I was maybe a tad behind him and living in a city where, unfortunately, there were a lot of people searching for this stuff. So the first few years, you could get a lot of Van Winkles, you could get a lot of BTAC, um, and you'd open them and drink them, and you'd have a lot of currency at the same time. Um, and you'd put them away. And then you know, I'm a big believer that the palate does change over time, and I would try new things and, and love those. And then I'd go down that rabbit hole for a while. I remember trying Willet and just absolutely loved it. I don't remember what the first Willet bourbon I had was. doesn't really matter because it was awesome. Um, that was when I really discovered I loved high-proof whiskey too. Again, going back to my guy here, he's a high-proof whiskey guy, and he gave me Elijah Craig barrel proofs early on and things like that that were hot, but they were really, there was a depth of flavor there that was so fascinating to me. And so the Willets hit me perfectly when I first tried them. And then it was just like, I would just buy every Willet I could find, right? I was very indiscriminate about it. It didn't matter. I didn't know enough. There weren't tons of people that knew enough about this stuff to tell you, this barreling is great. This one, you know, is not maybe as good? Um, So I just buy them all. Um, and that was a point where it felt expensive, but frankly, in comparison to now, it's like it was nothing. Um, and then I, I remember, you know, discovering uh, Smooth Ambler and again at, at the local liquor store and I saw the label and I didn't really, it wasn't appealing to me, but we tried it blind and I was like, wow, that's awesome. And that was when they were like in the, the hundreds, right? Back in the early Smooth Ambler releases. And I really fell in love with Smooth Ambler. And I started buying all those and collecting those and then you know, you get into Four Roses and then that happens and they're just all so different and so fascinating. And so for guys like us, I just think it's so interesting to our palace to try all these different things. The next thing you know, you want everything, right? You want all of these and all of those. And, and next thing you have so many and, you know, five, six, seven years go by and some of the stuff becomes currency for better or for worse. And at times it's for worse because there's bottles I want to drink, but if you spend 500 bucks on a bottle and it's worth $3,000, $4,000 now, it's very hard to open that. I, you know, I don't have the kind of funds that allow me to do that on a regular basis. So some of that becomes currency. Um, and those who, who know me know that, you know, occasionally I'll let some of those go because a $4,000 bottle, I can buy a lot of other bottles with that. And at the end of the day, I am a drinker and I want a lot of other bottles. So it, it's a conundrum kind of, right? I mean, it's like a good one. You can't complain about that. Um, but a lot of it did evolve into currency for me. I'm not a Van Winkle guy. Honestly, I love the old Van Winkle rise. Um, I always rave about the F. I think it's one of the best values there is. Uh, I will drink all of my Van Winkle rise, but the other Van Winkles for me, you know, the old sits so well or the 20 years I liked everything else. It's not my thing. Um, and so I was lucky enough to have a lot of the 15s and the, you know, the 10s and 12s and, and I don't care about them. And so you can trade those and, you know, a lot of people are really happy with those and you get stuff you're happy with. And next thing you know, it evolves. And then I remember a point that came along when I discovered, you know, pre-fire heaven Hill. And I was like, Oh my God, what is this? Like now I'm really hooked on a whole new, you know, rabbit hole. I got to go down. And now you're, now you're buying plastic bottles of JW Dant, right? Oh my God. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> it's insanity. Right. But it's so good. Um, and so then you discover some of the Willets that are pre-fire heaven Hill and then the weeders it's there's so much variety right and for those of us who who love that we we just end up just taking it all in and so yeah i mean over time you know now when i let stuff go it's to replace it with other stuff i you know it's this is not for me 
a profit thing. Um, I don't care if it is for some, it's just for me, I'm a drinker. And so when I sell stuff, it's cause I can't wait to go and buy the next thing. And at some point you run out of money and you got more whiskey than you do money. So you use that instead. Um, and I, and I think Aaron, Aaron said something key here is, is he said, um, you know, your palate changes. So there were things that I remember really going crazy after, you know, five, six years ago, I remember trying to get as many as I could, this, that, and the other thing. And now I have these things still sitting on my shelf and I just have kind of lost interest in them. I, it's not, you know, maybe that I drank them and I went through a bottle and I was like, Oh, okay. That wasn't as good as I remember it being, or you just, you just kind of lose interest in the bottle itself. Some bottles I, I, I remember I used to collect just for like the, the coolness of the bottle itself, just, Oh wow, that's a really unique, weird runoff. I, I like that. That's I've never seen one of those. Let me go try and get as many of these as I possibly can. And you know, now five years go by, and um, you've had Mictor's twenty a couple times, and you're like, holy crap! Now I really like that. I like that a lot more than I liked this. <laughs> you know, so it just, it just, it's a, it's a, it's a never-ending cycle. And, and, you know, even for me now is I am slowly transitioning from bourbon to single malt scotches and Japanese whiskeys. And now Irish is really getting crazy. Uh, I'm really starting to really enjoy some Irish whiskey, but uh, you know, and there's times where I, where I go to my cabin and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just not really in the mood for bourbon at all. Like I'll go through months at a time where I'm just hitting single malts. Like it's, it's crazy, but it really does go in waves and phases and it always comes back. So as much as I don't want to go have a bourbon right now, like I know in a couple months I'll be back on the bourbon craze. You know, it's just, it's, it's really weird how your palate and just evolves and goes back and forth and then you'll go through your little beer phase and not want to drink any whiskey at all. Like it's just, it's crazy. Well, when we're ready to spin off single malt, single malt pursuit, we'll let you go ahead and lead that one. (laughs) You know what though? That's something there that I, you know, like I remember I would taste something and I'd feel like I got to go bunker four or five of these, right? I want these for the rest of my life. And now I'm like, I can start to let these go because what I failed to realize at the time was that they're going to keep making great whiskey. Like I don't have to hoard every bottle I like because there's going to be another one and another one and another one. And the variety of variety of it all is way more fun than having 10 of the same bottle. So that changed too. You start to bunker those and then they become valuable and they become currency and you trade them because you're like, as much as I love this, I can go get a whole bunch of other new things. So that's part of it, I think too. Right. And then on top of that are the single barrel picks that we all do. I mean, all of us are part of groups and we've all been included in um, having the, the luxury to go pick our own barrel of whiskey, which which is now where I'm kind of at. You know, I don't really have an interest in buying crazy. Well, yeah, I know you're going to give me shit about that. <laughs> I still buy crazy bottles, but I'm more inclined to buying valuable or value drinkers you know if you go buy a barrel of bourbon and spend 80 bucks on really awesome whiskey then you know i'm, I'm fine with that totally fine with that yeah i was about to say i was like is there a shelf bourbon that you can even i mean just don't get me wrong like you guys have had everything in between from epics to just bottom shelf plastic stuff so i mean 
when when you're sitting at home at night, I mean, is there a shelf bourbon that you even have a go to anymore? I mean, is it is it something that you kind of lost interest in? Michael, you already said yours, so because you're you're on the single malt train right now. But Aaron, what about you? Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. When, when you're sitting at home at night, I mean, is there a shelf bourbon that you even have a go-to anymore? I mean, is it is it something that you kind of lost interest in? Michael, you already said yours, so because you're you're on the single malt train right now. But Aaron, what about you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's definitely you know my private barrel picks. I, I, you know, not only have I collected just a ton of them, but I've I've had the luxury of participating a bunch of times too, right? And so that stuff is so much fun. So tons of four roses picks. They're just awesome. There's so much variety there. Still love my Eagle Rare picks, um, but all those single barrels are so much fun because they really are different, right? And every one of them has its own uniqueness. So for me, um, yeah, I drink a lot of those on a regular basis. You know, I was just in Japan for eight days and then went through another phase, the KBD phase, where I drink all this old dusty KBD. And I've been just drinking that like crazy since I got back. Such an awesome, unique profile. When you find the really good ones in there, they are just so awesome. So, you know, it changes constantly. Um, but the go-tos I still think are like the Old Weller Antique picks, the Russell's Reserve picks, the Four Roses picks, the Eagle Rare picks, stuff like that. Yeah. So I guess another question to kind of throw at you all is, uh, so I take a, take an idea about the guy that had a, a paperclip that traded for a pen, like all the way up to a yacht. I mean, do you guys waste your time like trying to even get Elijah Craig Barrel Proof or Elmer T. Lee and – trading up or is that stuff just pennies and just not, or just peanuts and just really not worth it to you? For me, go ahead. I was to say for me, it's not a matter of worth it or not. At some point it becomes like how much time do you dedicate to the pursuit of stuff that just isn't that interesting anymore. And I don't really care to drive around to find something to make five bucks on. Right. Like, I mean, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. That was all super exciting. Um, 
other thing too is, um, you know, a number of years ago, I got involved with Cost Plus Shipping Group and Elijah Craig Barrel Proof that at one point I had to pay secondary for, we were shipping to each other, like at cost, right? And that changed everything for me because I have really amazing access to things that at some point were secondary type items that aren't anymore. Um, and so it allowed us to all just share and drink very differently. So I don't, I, my time has become more valuable than what it's worth. And so I don't really run a lot of liquor stores a whole lot anymore. I don't say stuff a whole lot anymore. It's just too hard. You know, I mean, for what you're going to find, it's, it's not worth the time anymore. I totally agree. It's like the bartering of, of bottles is exhausting because every time you, you know, you're, you're buying these bottles, you're, you're going around and, and this isn't six years ago anymore. It's, it's not just me and Aaron running around the, the cities looking for bottles. It's everyone now. And, you know, we have all had our, uh, me probably more than anyone else have our tuffles with store owners, you know, they, they take one look at you like, Oh yeah, this guy. And, and Oh God, it's, uh, I don't think I'm allowed in like five stores in here in Charleston. <laughs> I, yeah. I just pull in the parking lot and they, they're already out, out of the door. Like get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know, like, but you know, it's, it's, it's because, you know, they, they, they say a bunch of crap that makes no sense. And you, if you call them out on it, then you're, you're basically banned forever. And, and I've, I've done well here in Charleston and, you know, the days are the, the sweet days are they're over. Let's, uh, let's just face it, you know. And I'm I, I accept that it's fine. You know, I don't care. I'm not even going to probably try to hunt Van Winkle this year or BTAC or or anything. All these limited releases, I guess four grains coming out. You know, I've already had like 15 people from Charleston like, hey man, do you know when the four grains going to drop? And I'm just like, no, I, I don't. <laughs> and if I did. I probably wouldn't tell you where it's going to be. You yeah, know? exactly. Well, at least my, my opinion with four grain is that if Buffalo Trace thought that making bourbon with four grains in the beginning was better than three, they would have been doing it all along. Right. So exactly. So yeah. let, let them go ahead and chase that for all they want. Um, so another kind of question to kind of ask you all about in regards of how do you, you know, whether it's chasing a bottle that you'd have never had access to or trying to, find your way to try different things. You know, you guys have a lot of open bottles there and you're very uh, opening and welcome to share for everybody that comes over. But have uh, Andrew Scott actually asked, have any of those open bottles turned into sample swaps where you can say like, I'll trade you an Epic for an Epic and then maybe you try it and you're like, all right, well, crap. Definitely. Now I, I got to go Definitely. find this. Yep. Yeah. It sure has. I mean, I remember, um, I remember trading uh, a Michter's, 20, I think three or four ounce sample uh, for, I think it was one or two ounces of the Bourbon Society uh, Pappy Van Winkle private pick. What was it? Um, what Bourbon was that Pappy 23 wax top private pick? Um, Take your word for it's it. It's old. Yeah, it's old. Um, not Bourbon Society, but whatever it was. Uh, Society. Yeah. The only problem with that is there's no way I'm going to go hunt down that, that thing. It's just kind of a, a cool thing to mark off your checklist. Like, cool. I, I had that. I tasted it. 
it doesn't get to the extreme as those beer guys who have, you know, that, that app where they just mark every beer they've ever sipped. You know, it's not like that. I kind of wish I did document everything I've ever had. Uh, Cause we've all had those drunken nights where you look at your photos the next morning, like, Holy crap, we drank all these last night. Like, Dang. There was a there was a Hirsch Blue Wax in there. I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and sometimes those nights, especially after some barrel proof Willets, you know, your your palate's fried, so you, you don't. Yeah, you know you drank it, but you have no idea what it tastes like. So, um, yeah, but I think the trading of samples is. I think that's so fun. I think it's so cool. I'm always like open to do that with people. Like I, I think that's so great. That's really cool stuff. Yeah, totally agree. I, th- you know, that's such an awesome way to try things that you wouldn't get to otherwise. And, you know, I think when we were doing this a long time ago, people were so willing to share stuff that was very expensive or, or, or rare anyway, and it's become very expensive and you get to try amazing stuff. And then it evolved for me. I travel for work every week and I've met so many people that everywhere I go, I get to spend time with people from the community and people share bottles and you come to parties with things and you bring things. And I remember that's what happened to me with Nictor's 20 just a couple of years ago. I always kind of poo-pooed it and I tried it at this party. I was like, oh my God, it's amazing. And I came back and I had to buy a couple, right? Because it was that good. Um, you know, the, the craziest thing is, it, it, you know, if you ever go to Japan, like that, that's when things really get out of control because there you can try all this stuff that here is five and six and $7,000 a bottle for like 20 bucks a pour there. And so we actually did. We went and we chronicled every pour because I, I think back to you and I'm like, man, I wish I would have taken notes years ago on things because people ask me. I'm like, I don't really remember a lot of it. Um, a lot of things stand out. Right. But you don't remember everything. But when you go to Japan, you can try everything under the sun. So all the old Stitzelweiler stuff, all the KBD stuff, all the Willets. And now you start to really figure out the stuff that's expensive that you really love. And if you're inclined to trade for something really expensive or buy some, at least you've tried it, you know. Uh, I know I came back and like my favorite thing I tried was an old rip 15 year squat from Lawrenceburg. And I thought it was like the greatest thing I'd ever had. And I'm like, I got to have that, you know, it's crazy expensive, but you don't buy a lot <laughs> for your bunker. Right. Um, and you sell something that you maybe had a few bucks in and, and kind of swap that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, trying stuff, whether it's sample swaps or, you know, going to Japan or the parties we all attend together, that that's the awesome part of all this. And yeah. At this point, I feel like, I've had the the benefit and luxury of trying so much amazing whiskey that I'm pretty good for what is to me just crazy overrated and what I really enjoy. So yeah, yeah, and it's not only just like trying great whiskey, like you said, like it's opened so many doors of like the the hospitality people open up to you. It's just like incredible. I mean, look, we've all met each other before. I mean, uh, you know, in Kentucky, I know me and Kenny have hung out a few times, like it's just always a good time. And, and people are always so welcoming. Um, I mean, this shit's gotten me on TV a couple times. That's, that's some pretty wild stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you go anywhere you go and, and whiskey people have a similar taste. If you like good whiskey, then you're most likely going to like good beer and good food. So no matter where you go, you're never going to get steered the wrong way when it comes to those three things. You know, um, you're always eating like a king in the whiskey world. Uh, you're always getting the, the best recommendations of where to go, where not to go. And, and anywhere we go in the country, probably in the world, honestly, uh, we are already like three steps ahead of, of most people. You know, we're, we're not we're going to skip right over all the tourist traps. We're going to go to the real deal where you want to be. 
And that all comes from whiskey, in my opinion. Well, I think Aaron just sold out every flight to Tokyo for the next like, six months. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, know. Yeah. I was just going to say, well, it's not going to be there anymore. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, people should go and enjoy it because it's going to be gone at some point anyway. So hopefully the people that I know that would really appreciate it will go. I, and I've got a buddy there right now, another couple of weeks. And when I went, I made some people that helped me out, you know, on my trip and I hope to do the same, but yeah, there's just so much great stuff out there to try. Um, it's got to be getting close to being diminished, though. It's got to be. I mean, it's got to be. I mean, if you look at – well, I mean, put it this way. Old bottles are starting to pop up here in Kentucky like you've never seen. Like, all of a sudden, people's <laughs> basements just started getting unloaded. Now all these, uh, you know, restaurants start having them. However, yeah. they're not they are not value pours by any stretch of the means, right? Like, none of us are actually going to go to – any of these restaurants and actually buy a pour like is we're not we're not right sh- we're not shoveling out seventy dollars for a half ounce of old well or antique from the 70s like at some point we will run into somebody we know and it'll it'll be open on their bar and we'll try it right that's exactly right that's the other thing that some of these old bottles that we stashed away years ago help with right because if you do have something amazing that people want to try and you want to share with them you don't have that much in it it doesn't kill you to open that right and then you, other people get to try these amazing things. I'm, I just did that with a buddy, this old Willet that I've had for a long time. I didn't know what we were going to do with. And I took it down. And I'm like, you got every Willet on the sun, but I got one you don't have. And we can share that together. And it was awesome. You know, and that's the fun of it. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a virtuous cycle for sure. For was sure. that person, did that her person happen to be in Georgia? No, he was in Kentucky, actually. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> So there was a question that came out from uh, Catch-22, and they said, uh, given the expense of rarities, do you have a price of a limit per bottle that you're even going to put down anymore? Or is it now? Because don't be wrong, I can tell you a story for me. In 2014, I had a bottle of Mictors 20 in my hand, and I go to the checkout, not understanding what retail price was on it, and it rings up like 495 or 500 bucks. And like you my, put it back, didn't you? My hand was shaking. It was shaking as I no no no. It gets better. My hand was shaking. I paid for it. I got out in the car. I sat there and had this moment for like five minutes. I'm like, I can't do it. My wife's gonna fucking kill me. And I returned it back to the store, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my biggest bourbon regret. All right. So but now now five hundred dollars, like I won't even think twice. A thousand dollars, I won't even think twice. Like I'll throw it down in a heartbeat. But is there a is there a price limit? of when somebody says something ridiculous that you're, you're not going to pay for it. Uh, To me, there's, you know, I I hate to say that there's not, but it it just all depends on the particular bottle. Uh, Boss hog. (laughs) (laughs) 25 bucks max. Uh, No, but you know, I think I just bought my most expensive bottle. Um, this month I've ever spent. Um, it was a, a, I know it's not bourbon, but it, it was a Kurosawa 35 year and the retail on it was 6,500 bucks, which is insane, insane. But this is one bottle that I want to hold for my retirement, a special bottle that I'll just never let go of. I've always wanted a crazy Kurosawa bottle. It's an unbelievable Japanese whiskey. And, uh, you know, so that telling me right there, I, I guess 
that's got to be my limit, man. I mean, when you start looking at all these other, what's that 36 year redemption that just came out? How much that was that? Retail? $1,800, 45 year bourbon that tastes like uh, oak and a piece of wood. Everybody said it was absolutely horrible. So it's not like to say that you're going to be spending $1,800 wisely. Right. Totally. Yeah. And I think like when we're talking about bourbon, what, what's the, one of the most expensive bottles out there? I think it might be that uh Michter celebration. Yeah. Just what a retail, that, like six retail. Grand, six, yeah. six grand. I think the first bottle was 3000. Then they came out with it again and it was 6,000, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pushing it, man. You know, that's, that's really pushing it. And I've had that. It's, it's not good whiskey. <laughs> I mean, it's good, but it's, it's nothing like Mictor's 20, which you get at a quarter of the price. Yeah. An eighth of the price. What about you, Aaron? Uh, Where, where's your upper limit? I mean, I definitely have limits. Um, just haven't found them yet. <laughs> he's got no limits. Don't believe him. He's, he's got an Amex Black with a $100,000 credit limit. Yeah. 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 He has no limits. Don't let him fool you. There's a limit to what I can afford to open. Is there a limit to what I'd buy? I don't know. And, and, and that's partially because, number one, if I buy it and I later – can't financially keep it. Someone will want it at cost. Someone will want it probably more than cost. It's always an outlet for it. So it's not, it's not going to depreciate. Right. So that gives you a little peace of mind in what you buy. Um, is there a limit to what I can buy and open? Yeah, probably more there. You know, we were just at Willet a couple of weeks ago and at the 27 year dropped and it's 1200 bucks retail. And it's like, we're all swarming buy as many as we can. Right. Like, is that crazy? Probably a little crazy, but for me, like that's what I love, right? So yeah, I don't have a problem buying that. And if I, you know, need to sell a couple things to pay for it, sure, I'll do that too, you know. But yeah, I mean, I haven't found the limit yet. Um, but it does keep getting crazier and crazier all the time. Uh, and the more crazy stuff you try, and the more prices go up, the crazier it all gets. So I'm sure I'll find that limit at some point. I don't buy a ton at retail anymore there isn't enough availability and, and not that much stuff that's super interesting at the higher price points to, to buy. So most of it's, you know, uh, older stuff, um, like that old rip 15 I was talking about, or some of these older willets, you know, some of those I've paid up for. I, I have a funny story, Kenny, like years, I, you know, I, one of the, st the stores I, I frequented early on, the woman who owned it called me one day and said, I've got this willet. Would you like it? It was like 500 bucks. It was my Brown bunny. And at the time I was like, shit, I, I can't afford this. And this is crazy, but I bought it because I was building a relationship there. And I brought it home and I was like, I got to sell this thing as fast as I can. Right. Like, this is crazy. I kept it for like a year and I sold it to Jamie Ferris for like 700 bucks or something like a year later. Now I have bottles like a $3,000 coveted bottle. Um, <laughs> yeah. It happens, right? Like I was freaked out at that point that I spent $500 wow. on that bottle. Of whiskey. So it's just crazy how like over time the yeah. money is become like you care less and less and less and you want what you want. Mm -hmm. And I think what allows us to pull the trigger on some of these bottles is, is kind of knowing that you have the, you have the backup plan of if worst thing comes to worst, I can always get rid of this for what I paid for it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so that question would be a good question. If, if we couldn't get rid of it or if you didn't have a friend down the road that was with, like knocking your door down, like, Hey, can I buy that bottle off you? You know, like, um, you know, it's, it's knowing the fact that you can 
get what you got into it and pot, most likely more, you know, that will, it, that will at 27 year that just dropped, you know, yeah, it was $1,200. But do I think that this many people would have went out and bought this $1,200 bottle if they knew they couldn't do something with it just in case, you know, afterwards, probably not, you know, uh, I know I'm not going to go buy, uh, I'm not going to be standing in line at will it to buy a $1,200 bottle that I'm going to open on the spot and drink, you know, I've, I, I might, those days are, are over for me. I, I don't think I'm going to buy crazy expensive bottles of drink. I know I just said about the cares our retirement bottle, but that's a different one. Uh, but really like the, the days of standing in line and, and spending a fortune on bottles that you're going to drink, those days are just over for me, man. I think I'll just say this, you know, if you from will it happens to hear this and wants to put out more 27 year olds for 1200 bucks, I'm there. I'll wait in line, buy them, drink them. I'm good. So, <laughs> well, they, and, well, you got it like that then. <laughs> Well, it's it's the it's the game that you got to have somebody else there so you can get two of them, right? That's that's how Basically, it has to work. I know where I'm coming now that I want to try that. See, so there you go. <laughs> Welcome, man. I'm here. We'll open it. <laughs> Road trip to Chicago soon. <laughs> so we'll start we'll start kind of rounding this out because there was another great question by Catch Twenty Two, and you know when you start looking at what you all have been able to try. Um, you know, what's on the horizon. There's, you know, there's going to be no shortage of whiskeys that will be continuing to come out in our lifetime, uh, especially as other quote unquote craft ones are going to start coming out and we're going to have a, a, the shelves are going to just be nonstop stocked for, uh, for the foreseeable future. However, what's that white whale of yours? Something that you think that maybe you've tried it and you've never been able to find a bottle or that you have the bottle and you don't know if you could ever bring yourself to ever open it. You know, I Go think for me, yeah, for me, I think it's pretty easy. It's definitely an, a Willet of some sort. There's so many old, crazy Willets that are just amazing. Some I have, some I'd love to find. Um, those for me are still the, the things that if I'm going to ever spend the money or trade up to and open a very expensive bottle, that's probably it for me. Some of the old Stitzelweller is pretty amazing. I mean, I tried some incredible stuff. Some of the old Van Winkle, the, the red wax bottlings, um, you know, the Society of Bourbon Connoisseurs, a couple of those were unbelievable. If I had the wherewithal to go buy those and open them, I would do it tomorrow because they're just that good. They're some of the best whiskey I've ever had. And they're probably beyond my means at this point from a retail perspective. I don't know. I don't buy a lot of retail anymore, and I don't see a lot coming out that intrigues me the same way as the older stuff does. Um, I know we're talking bourbon, but I've been drinking a lot of rum, honestly, kind of like what MSP said, like my palate has been kind of going a different direction. I still love bourbon. I'm drinking bourbon right now. That's what I drink most of the time, but I've been getting a lot into rum. So, you know, you never know. I mean, things, your palate changes so much. And I drank all this high proof whiskey, went to Japan, started drinking more in the 100, 110 proof range and feel like that was my sweet spot. So Ask me again in six months and it might change, you know, it just, <laughs> you know, absolutely. My white whale and always will be, I think, um, it's going to be an old Stitzel Weller because that's what I really love. Um, you know, Stitzel Weller is really hit and miss though. That's the only problem. You can have two of the exact same bottle. One bottle be life changing. The best thing you've ever had in your, in your entire life. And then the next one, 
you know, you go stock up on it. The next one is, is, is like very meh. So, you know, I think my real white whale would probably have to be that 121 proof Blackhawk 20, what is it? 21 year, right? That's, that's, you know about that bottle because you live in Chicago. Now I had a lead on one of those. I almost had that bottle. I was this close and I don't know who the hell ended up getting it, but, uh, I have an idea though. This was years ago. Uh, but that is my ultimate bottle that I, I will most likely never own. It's just impossible to get. How many were there total? I think they, they went to the team and, the, and like the team, uh, when they won the, the Stanley Cup, I believe they were made for like the executives of the team and the players. And I think they probably ended up like probably spraying them in the locker room. Who knows <laughs> <laughs> what the hell happened with those, you know, but man, that's, that's one bottle I would love to have. I know there's like two or three of them floating around, but I don't think they're, they're moving anytime in the near future unless you've got some serious cash. Yeah, big time. Right. All right. So we'll, we'll wrap this up. You know, I guess uh, let's get one more piece of advice that you can give for people on transforming their bunkers. You know, he's already said, sell all your pappy. It's not worth it. Uh, at least, Don't at least fall into the hype. Don't fall into the hype. Don't uh, fall into the hype and, and take advantage of your blind tastings. Have your buddies set you up a blind tasting to figure out what you actually like. Labels have a lot of, uh, you know, have a lot of pull when it comes to enjoying a, a whiskey. Like, you know, you go taste that same whiskey blind and you're not going to like it as much just because, you know, there's not a guy smoked a cigar on the label. It's just, it's just don't fall into the hype like I did. I mean, we all have fallen into the hype, but we've, we've gotten past that. You know, I'll be the first one to admit I fell into a lot of hype for sure. I still hype things from here, you know, here and there, you know, but when it comes down to it, you know, I've really honed in at what I, uh, certain things that I like and, and, and there's no real, it's a wide variety of things. Like I said earlier, you know, four roses, old Stitzel Weller, grand old granddad, uh, will it? Yeah. I like everything, you know, it's, um, just don't fall into the hype. That's, that's my advice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. You try things and find out what you really like and what really does it for you before you go spend big bucks, because nowadays everything is expensive. So don't just chase it all Buy the stuff you've tried. Um, but my best advice, whatever you're drinking, you're going to love it the most. If you're drinking it with people that you enjoy drinking it with, that's what whiskey is really all about. That's what this has done for me more than anything else is opened up this amazing community. Um, and we're all blessed to do it. That's why we're here today to talk about it. So drink what you like and drink it with people you like. And you heard it from Aaron before. You don't have to buy 10 of them. It's not necessary, right? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Just go to Aaron's house. He's got, he's got them all already. Anyway. <laughs> Come on over. Well, awesome, fellas. Uh, you know, I want to say thank you again for coming on the show tonight or today, whatever it is that people are listening. Yeah, to thanks for having us. This was fun. It was a definitely yep. fun conversation. And it, I know that most people that – have seen your names. Uh, it's going to be on Facebook, but if there's any way that if you guys are on Twitter or any other kind of like public social things that people want to uh, just follow you or get in contact with you, how would they do that? Facebook for me, for sure. Easiest way. That's where uh, I spend my time. Yeah. Facebook and Instagram for me. My Instagram is Mike dog 14 and then Michael St. Pierre's the Facebook obviously, but uh, 
No trolls, though. No trolls. No trolls allowed. <laughs> no trolls in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We're not going to get any crap for this. I, I, I can already see it. We're going to get zero crap for this. <laughs> send, them a, send them a direct message with the keyword burden pursuit, and they send everybody five free samples blind. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Oh, hell. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But honestly, fellas, thank you again for coming on tonight. Make sure you, uh, you know, definitely subscribe to Mike on Instagram. You can also find us on Instagram as well as Facebook and Twitter at Bird Pursuit. If you do like what you hear, make sure you support the show on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Bird Pursuit. Make sure you subscribe for our email list. You can just go to birdpursuit.com, scroll down. There's going to be a little button with an email. You can get all new episodes beamed straight to your inbox. And if you have any other show suggestions, people would you like to hear from any other kind of cool topics? You know, this is something that's really fun. Maybe we should probably find some more people within the, the bourbon community to come around and just talk talk about bourbon for a little bit. It's It's been a good conversation, you know, just a, a simple topic. And, you know, we took a few left and right turns, but, you know, we all kind of came full circle at the end. So with that, I want to say thank you, fellas, for, for coming on. Oh, by the way, if you have other show suggestions or hate mail or fan mail, whatever it is, the duo, T-H-E-D-U-O, at Uh And with that, thanks again, fellas, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>